Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. My professional name is DJ Spoonie. I am a sort of, I'm a DJ, not mm-hmm. sort of, but I'm definitely a DJ. I'm a TV presenter. Mm-hmm. I'm a radio broadcaster. I have a... Uh, property business I'm a let's just leave it there (laughs) I love it I love it but like even with you saying that like I'm thinking I remember how we rekindled we were at the airport and I was this is I'm just this is just coming up as I'm speaking going to Ibiza yeah and then you had like a residency yeah was it with ministry or I can't even remember who it was. That, but that you, was that was actually after. That was after yeah. we rekindled. That was after. Because there was a little bit oh, in yeah, between. In the, in the alley. That's right. Oh my God. That's I forgot right. about the, the Soho right. back alley. Yeah. So um, for those who, who yeah. don't know, most people don't. Yeah. So I first met Robbie when I was at, uh, at KISS. So yeah. this would have been 1997 at the time you were working wow. with, you were working yeah. with Giles. Yeah. Um, and, and Patrick we all used, Forge. And Patrick yeah. Forge. And we all yeah. used to be on on a Sunday. Mm-hmm. And uh, no, Giles, Giles, Giles left. Rodigan used to come on it after us. Yeah. Um, Giles left, didn't really see you, fell out of touch. And then was in Soho one day, bumped into you and was like, yeah. Bobby, <laughs> Spoonie. I know. Da, da. It was just like, like it was almost like we hadn't been in the playground for ages. Um, and then you, I asked you what you were up to yeah. and you said you were making art. And I, yeah. I just then started to buy mm-hmm. urban and street art. Mm-hmm. So you brought me over yeah. to, the, to the studio when you were just literally over the corner. That's right. You was right on the corner there. Now it's all coming like, yeah. I forgot. Do you remember record store On day? a Saturday. On that, that Saturday on a record store day, came down, played a couple of tunes. That was like, I'm not even joking. The day before... I said to Leanne, I said, Leanne, I've got a cousin and he's got a sound system. Should we have a party? That was a 24 hour. Like yeah, we I just remember we like, came in there. Yeah. Then we had to Rob run around G, getting the needles. Tony. Oh, yeah. Remember on the needles on the day, you had to, oh, you had to run down to uh, Tottenham Court Road, <laughs> to West End DJ. That's it, man. I remember. That's I don't remember much, school. but I remember that. That's proper old school party vibes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like. yeah. That literally is old yeah. school party vibes. He's got the needles. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, oh so there God. you go. So we, you know, we 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 go back. We're uh, yeah, you know, we're near twenty five years. That's in. crazy, yeah, man. That's crazy. Like, even like now, you're bringing up so many memories. Back in the day, 
you know, like, say, for example, with technology, there's so much diversity, there's so much things yeah. going on. Back then, not even a lie, Kiss FM, you had, like, I'm trying to, um, it was, um, before it was uh, Pool Trouble. Yeah. And um, before that, well, I've forgotten the guy's name. He used to Gordon do Mac. The, um Gordon Mack, uh, Jazzy B. Um, then S- there was- um, Steve Jackson. Steve was Jackson was the one I was trying to think of. Saturday yeah, night, Jack the house I, that Jack built. That's right. And then he, then he ended up doing the breakfast show. Yeah. And then, but they had all of the DJs. I think um, Talvin Singh probably had one night as well, but there yeah. was like, Back then, you know, what I'm trying to say is that radio platform had all of the DJs. Yeah. Every single night, you're listening to a Wicked show. So the thing was, we, um, so I really first started listening to, to radio um, and more of our music when pirate stations back in the day of, um, LWR was the main one that mm-hmm. I listened to in North London. Obviously, Kiss um, then made the transition from pirate to, to legal. I mean, they used to be, just off Blackstock Road in, right. in near Finsbury Park. Right. Then when they went legal, they oh. went to Finsbury Park, Holloway yeah. Road. Holloway yeah. Road. Yeah. Um, but I think every pirate radio's pirate radio's DJ's dream would have been to go and kiss. Yeah. But they had everyone on there. You know, Trevor was Mad Hat and Nelson yeah. at the time. Yes. Um, obviously, like you said, Jazzy B, Paul Trouble, Bobby and Steve. Mm-hmm. Steve Jackson, mm-hmm. um, DJ Patrick Hype, Ford, I think it was Wednesday. Um, Hype. So all yeah. of those guys were were on there. And then they went, like I said, they went on to, to legal. So for us, we we always wanted to get onto we always wanted to get onto Kiss, and then you know the opportunity came about. We did we did rock really well as the dream team in the time Amazing. we were on there. Yeah. At one stage, we had sort of like three shows between us because wow. yeah, we had two dream team shows on a, a Sunday, and we had one on a Sunday, one on a Wednesday, and I did a show on a Tuesday as well. So, really? Yeah. So I did my own show on a Tuesday and then we did two dreams. Was it the same? Was it all? And can you explain for those who would or don't know what the music was? So we, on on a Sunday, we played straight UK garage Mm -hmm. um, between us. And then on a, and it was, Sunday was UK garage and a lot of, a lot of entertainment. Mm -hmm. And then the Wednesday show was UK garage, but we we toned it down. It was really all about the music yeah. as opposed to Sunday yeah. being about the personalities. Yeah. And then on on the Tuesday, the show that I did, it was kind of a, a hybrid between UK Garage and really bumpy Soulful House. Mm-hmm. So it was just that, the, the kind of sound that sat in between what Bobby and Steve might have played and mm-hmm. what the Dream Team might have played. Right. And I just, and I just sort of, Across the line mm-hmm. of, the, of the two, yeah. Nice, and that so that was the the radio side of it. Then there must have been your club side, your own clubs, yeah, and then the DJing separate to that as well, yeah. So what the clubs that you were doing that your own? What were they? Well, we we used to do. Um, we would just do sort of random ad hoc parties as a dream team, mm-hmm. but we were you know DJing at all of the big mm-hmm. UK garage events at mm-hmm. the time. Um, La Cosa Nostra, mm-hmm. Sun City, mm-hmm. Lords of the Underground, which was actually a, a Kiss FM, joint Kiss FM and Zoo promotion okay. event. And then, um, and Twice As Nice, mm. so, which was, you know, I suppose the jewel in the crown of mm. UK Garage yeah. Clubbing, um, which of which I was a resident. So that, that was all going on at that time. Did you, do you remember that moment where it's, because it's it, even in the title UK, do you remember that moment it crossing over into a global, like going to other countries and playing that music? Do you remember that time or? 
yeah, I, I mean, that would have been uh, the music. I mean, as maybe as much because Ibiza was always known for for dance music and had taken underground forms and played it there. So we, we did we did Ibiza, um, yeah. but Ayanapa and Cyprus that was the real mm. one where mm. it was our flag in the ground. I suppose mm-hmm. Ibiza was there for people who are into more house music, mm-hmm. um, and we had the UK garage and and the R and B in Ayanapa, and that was. Yeah. I think the first, well, the first promoters to do there were um, were Pure Silk, mm-hmm. um, and we did 1997. I think we did an event myself and Creed and DJS, who mm-hmm. was one of the owners of Pure Silk. So, yeah, that that was that was really nice. But I mean, since then, I, you know, I'd been to, I played in New York and New Jersey and yeah. South Africa and well received, uh, you know. Mexico, yeah, wicked. Yeah, yeah, yeah wicked. I bet they love yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, loved it. Love it. And did you ever bring in other sounds as well? Because there's, there's other, you know, there's other musics that have come from that. There's other musics that were a little bit before that. Did you mix it up, or was it just? Yeah, at that time, I think we the demand was there just to play, just, just to play to, garage. And yeah. I might have played. It's funny because, you know, UK garage, it got the title, but the actual sound, mm-hmm. you know, previous to that music that was made by Masters at Work and mm-hmm. Kerry Chandler and mm-hmm. the Basement Boys that we were, it wasn't technically UK Garage because they're mm-hmm. American producers, but that yeah. sound that we sort of uh, borrowed from them and, yeah. and, and, and and redeveloped and made it our own. But, you know, it, we, we definitely we definitely were inspired by that, that sort of sound. And yeah, that's what we were playing. It's amazing. And then the festivals and like, it just must've been an explosion for you guys. Like, Yeah. You know, at the time it wasn't so much, um, it, the just, festival culture really mm. is other than Reading and Leeds and Glastonbury. Mm-hmm. Um, and we never really, I mean, we tell a lie. We did do one Glastonbury. I, I did one Glastonbury as, as uh, twice. In fact, I was booked <laughs> to do, I was booked to do yeah. um, Glastonbury. <laughs> I, and, and that was on my 30th birthday. Okay. And drove all the way um, down there, mm-hmm. and, and this is a true story. And the yeah. way that it's the way that it's situated, mm. you have to the artists have to go in mm-hmm. at one entrance, right? And there's a load of traffic getting down there, mm-hmm. and we got there just in enough time to get in, get parked, mm-hmm. and Jump go up. and do the set. Yeah. And when we got there and we went into the gate, the mm. guy went, "No, you're you've." you need to go to the other gate, but it's on a one-way system. No. And there's no way we would have got all the way back around the site mm. and back in. Mm. So effectively, drove to Glastonbury, mm. drove around the site and went back to London. <laughs> Didn't even play. Oh, no. and, yeah, and that's a true story. Oh my yeah. God. So um, so we were booked to play, but we didn't end up doing that. But at the time, I mean, Clubland was, Clubland was so healthy. I yeah. mean, I didn't, when I was resident twice as nice, I didn't play anywhere else on a Sunday, but mm. it wasn't, it wasn't strange to do three gigs on a Saturday and mm-hmm. three gigs on a Friday. Did you keep as the as the team, or did you not all divide, the time? Yeah, yeah, not all the time. Divide I mean, and conquer. That was one of that was one of the reasons I think uh, really helped us to make a stamp because we could effectively be in yeah. three places at one time, and then yeah. and we we saved the when we were all in one place <clears throat> for the really big and really special events. Nice. Largely when we did our own events. Um, so yeah, it was uh, yeah, good times. You look back on it with fond memories. A- absolutely fond memories. Yeah. Best best days of my life. I mean, wow. came so close to Timmy and Mikey as well, and uh, 
You know, they're like my brothers, yeah. like big brothers, because I was the youngest one. So, <laughs> which, I mean, did you learn much from them musically? Because I know that they play a lot of music. I've heard them do stuff with you recently, yeah. and it's nothing to do with garage. Like, yeah. it, you can tell there's a history, and they know their music. It's not just yeah. I think that's one of the things that kept us together, Robbie, and maybe something that was never really discussed, but it was always there. That you know, whichever one or whichever two you were with, you mm. knew that these guys live yeah. and die by their music. They know yeah. their music. They're yeah. really into it. It's not about being a famous DJ. Yeah. It's not even about being a professional DJ. Mm -hmm. It's about loving music. And mm -hmm. I think we that really helped. It was it was just there. Mm -hmm. It was like the the unseen bond, the the, the the glue that kept it all together. Amazing. Um but yeah the guys uh the guys know their runions every yeah. now and again we have a little flex off with each other <laughs> as you do as boys do but you, you you always learn something and you know what i it's funny because before i actually knew them mm. and we were all on the same pirate radio station together london underground mm. but i had uh i had so much respect for you know how timmy put his shows together yeah and then how the music and mikey's selection mm -hmm. so is this before Garage? This was before the Dream Team. Right. Um, they were playing Garage. Okay. But it was how they were playing Garage curators. and the Garage that were playing. Right. Timmy, how we played it, Mikey, what he was playing. And I was like, these guys are about they their, they were about their craft, you know? Yeah. And then we sort of met up at one of the station meetings and amazing. started chatting and yeah, that was it. Wow. And it's, it's amazing. Like what we're talking about is quite deep into the past, but there's something like, we're in an unusual year and there's a lot of stuff going on with like COVID and all of that stuff. I went to Wales for three and a half months with two families and we camped up there. And I can't remember what night or what day it was, but there was a kitchen session with you. And fortunately I know exactly where it is in your living room. It's like, it's like a booth within the living room, yeah. your, your kind of DJing yeah. studio. But we used to, was it Sunday? I'm trying to think what your session was, but we'd tune in. We'd be having a dance that session. Was on a Sunday. We'd have a so dance. So I used to do... I, I, like I, this year. Yeah, I like used to do still... the brunches. So just That's before right, yeah. just before the first official lockdown started, mm. I did a stream on a Friday mm -hmm. with Master Steps, Onyx Stone and DJ Pioneer. Mm -hmm. And then the following weekend, I started doing my live streaming Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Yeah. Yeah. And in the Sunday, I was just going to do one off so I could play some traditional Hackney music yeah. on a Saturday and Sunday with the music, the soundtrack to what my yeah. Sunday morning would have sounded like, rare groove and reggae. Yeah. And it just sort of grew and grew and grew and it ended up being the most popular, it was one brilliant. of the three shows that I did. It was, um, it was really, but that's, it's still relevant right now. That's the, that's what the point I'm trying to make. It's like the use of the technology now you're able to do that in your yeah. home and reach whoever wants to tune in. Mm. And it was, it re for me, it was really going off. Like yeah, I loved the whole it. family it was going for it. it yeah. Was it, it, the, the thing was, I mean, I've had so many, uh, some of the messages have been overwhelming. I've yeah. got to be honest with you. And at a time, like you said, Robbie, it's very strange times that has, that have invoked emotions that, not that you didn't know existed, but you didn't think would come out and, and appear present themselves at a time. Mm -hmm. Um, and I sat down and I thought, wow, if how different it would have been for me mm -hmm. if I hadn't had that focus, mm -hmm. um, that drive to be able to sit down and, and do those shows. Because yeah. the, 
my time went so quickly and yeah. it, a lot of people were saying, oh, they're bored and I don't know right. what they're doing. And yeah. I was like, I haven't got enough time to do what I, what I want to do. And it was really, it, it was, I don't know, it, it, it was organising my my week for me. Yeah. And then I was almost looking forward to a Monday uh, when I didn't have anything to do and a Wednesday and a Thursday, which were my weekend because yeah. I was on air four times a week. Um, but yeah, yeah it, was, it, it, it was good to me. And, you know, I sort of, it was almost like when people talk about redoing their wedding vows mm-hmm. that I, I, I always loved DJing, but yeah. I f- really feel that it I brought you back. connected again with my Amazing. profession and craft during that time, which I would not have done, Amazing. but for these strangest of times. Yeah. It's, it's like during that time, the things that really stood out internet for me. So I think um, Benji B started doing a deviation and a side i don't know if you know a side yeah yeah and then there was one i think i think it was um i'm not sure if it was like it was two female singers i don't think it was lauren here i think it was no it was uh, jill scott jill scott and uh erica badu erica badu on the verses and it was a uh, and then there was one that i could like i saw it on a stories my friend i think he's in like guyana and he was like i think it was like Buja Banton Buja or Bounty and Kinner, and and Bean, yeah. and i was like what's that clicked on it and it was going yeah, crazy. It's mad. It's mad. Like the clothes, the yeah. background, the chat, yeah. the and it was like an Instagram live. And I was mm. just like, you know, the like this time it really bring if you are creative and you're focused and not distracted, you can really do some special things. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and then seeing coming out of all of this, when I, I I'm I think it was as the lockdown was easing, then you did your was it called Black Excellence? Yeah. And I was like, you can't do a program like that, unless you're focused, like to pull that, the level of the people that you pulled together, the reason why you pulled them together and the production of how you presented it to the world. Can you share with us a little bit what that was? Cause yeah. that was amazing. I mean, thank you very like, much. Seriously. For I watched um, as much like yeah, hours. Thank you. And don't, and don't think you were, you were absolutely yeah. on the list to be there as well. No, 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 no. I'm not but, even no, saying no, it the, from that. But the truth, I, was, I was buzzing for but, you, like for real, for but serious. I, I'm, I'm, uh, so, yeah. I'll give you the background and yeah, I'll, get, I'll, I'll come into it. So yeah. I obviously at the turn of the year, mm. um, I knew I was turning 50 in June and yeah. I'd always planned in my head. Mm-hmm. I knew exactly how I wanted that week of my birthday Amazing. to play out. I was yeah. going go to, house. I was going to go to Mallorca for uh, two or three days to mm-hmm. play golf with my okay. friends. Then I was going to go to Ibiza mm-hmm. For two nights, mm-hmm. come back to London. Mm-hmm. I was going to have a Friday night dinner with close family and friends. Yeah. And then I was going to have a big party on a Saturday night. Amazing. And then whatever happened on a Sunday, yeah. that's how it planned out. And wow. Then, that's a big week. And then, and then, Seriously. and then COVID came along. Mm-hmm. And even in March, I was still hopeful that right. we would be at yeah. the other side of it and I'd still be able to do exactly what. And April came and I was still hopeful. And it wasn't until mid May. Yeah that you then start having to go, what else are you going to do here? Mm. And it was around that time, uh, maybe just after when I'd stopped doing the streams. I did 10, uh, 10 weeks mm-hmm. of effectively so, four shows a week. Wow. So like over a hundred hours on air wow. I did during that period of lockdown. Then decided, right, I'm going to come off here and plan something. Mm. Um, and then the idea just started going into my head to do this, a big stream, but rather than 
it be for my birthday, mm. it will be an opportunity for me to say thank you to wow. people that have contributed yeah. so much mm. to mm. my life mm. and particularly black excellence. Yeah. Um, obviously the, the situation, mm. what, what happened with George Floyd and everyone yeah. was up in arms. And I said, right, you know, we are at the moment we're, we're, we're up against it. Mm. The whole world's looking at us. Mm. And I said, right, there's a, still a lot of things to celebrate. Mm -hmm. And that's why it was 50 years of black British excellence. Yeah. And that's why I wanted people like Amazing. Robbie G there who, yeah. you know, I grew up watching mm. him making me laugh, Real McCoy, um, Doreen Lawrence, who mm -hmm. for me is, you know, as, since she came onto my, my radar has always um, absolutely just been the embodiment of, of class and dignity and determination yeah. and qualities that, you want your children to have. And mm -hmm. I was seeing this from an elder of mine. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, at the other end of the scale, people like Koji Radical yeah. and Jam Supernova, who I hadn't met up until the day, really? but absolutely respected yeah. all of their work. And, even, and uh, yeah. because I respect what they do and what they stand for. Yeah. And then in the middle, there was a, there was a massive chunk of people that mm -hmm. I had met professionally mm -hmm. and grew to love personally. Yeah. Yeah. And people like Ian Wright and yeah. Reggie Yates and, Kano and mm -hmm. Akala and of course Mikey B was there yeah. and Trevor Nelson was, was even, there as yeah. well and Tiny Temple was amazing. Yeah. So there was a whole host of people in between, yeah. you know, the end of like Robbie, like yeah. I said, Doreen and then the people that I haven't met. So it was just an opportunity for me really to say thank you for mm -hmm. giving me like an amazing 50 years it was. so far. And, you know, I had a company come in and I spoke to them about the idea and in this business, what tends to happen, um, and to a degree, when you are as an artist, and mm -hmm. I'm an artist of a different kind, Absolutely. but when you you sit down and you come up with ideas and concepts, and then you take them to some new commissions, yeah. you get an an awful lot more no's mm -hmm. than than yeses. Oh, yeah. And I I decided that mm. whether or not this went to TV, mm. I was definitely going to do this. Right. And spoke to um, spoke to this company and loved the idea and they said right we'll come on board and we'll produce it for you mm. so thank you to Blue Square because they they did an amazing job it and was really um, they really brought my ideas uh, yeah. to life and I've worked quite closely at the time mm. with there's a guy in the company called Cedric who he he does his nine to five but he's yeah. another music lover yeah. so there was a kindred spirit there which it was amazing that the company gave him the kind that, of freedom wow. to go and they work believed. with me. Like they believed, yeah. they trusted him. Yeah. We trusted each other. Yeah. And that's how the magic was created because the truth Amazing. of the matter is as much as it was my idea and that's what yeah. was in my head mm. for them to take it out of my head and make it look like that. Yeah. It was, uh, was fantastic. And to put it into context, even if you listen to this another time, there was social distancing involved in yeah. that as well with what you've just spoken about and you kept it. Yeah. And it's like, that's not an easy task. Yeah. Like, it was a big production in terms of what you're doing. You've got visuals, yeah. you've got multiple people coming in. It was, there were many moving parts. So many moving parts. I mean, we were on air for eight hours. Wow. And you saw we had, we had two separate DJ yeah. setups just yeah. to ensure we stayed socially distanced because, you know, whatever you think about, you know, yeah. and don't get me talking <laughs> on, on the whole thing of COVID, but okay. we, 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 it was important that we acted responsibly yeah. and, Anyway, well, I could go into no, that, no, but no, we had to we had to be seen to do the right thing. I mean, Samson, it came Samson gave us the, the the building to do the stream. Yeah. I also didn't want to put them 
I didn't want them to put yeah. them in a position no. where and compromise them in any way, shape, or form. And you so, didn't. It was and they were all the incredible. moving parts that you're talking about. It was incredible. Um, and then right at the end, it was it was it was a real fitting way to to end it because mm. there was someone that I when I came up with my list, the mm. original list, and mm. I'm going to tell you that mm. everybody by one mm. appeared mm-hmm. at the venue that I wanted, Amazing. and the the person that couldn't sent me a video to, to, uh, to do it. So yeah. I had a hundred percent strike rate, Amazing. but on the day yeah. I was walking, I'd left my car, mm. was walking to the venue yeah. and I got a phone call yeah. and saying, Spoons, I, I won't yeah. tell you who it is, just yeah. Spoons, really deep Cockney voice. That wasn't deep or Cockney, was it? <laughs> anyway, really deep and Cockney voice. Spoons, <laughs> what's happening? I'm like, what's happening? Yeah, what's this thing you're doing later? <laughs> right, I'm on my way to the studio. I'm going to Bristol, but Oxford, I'm going to Oxford. What time are you finishing? Because I'm going to come back. I said, are you sure? He's like, yeah, yeah, I'm going to do my best to come back. So I was like, wow, man, that is that is going to be an amazing gift to the event. Because right. if we start talking, you know, black excellence in the country, as much yeah. as I've got everybody yeah. at the moment, this guy is so, he's yeah. it. He, he's the, and, um, the moment. So yeah, you know, I'm I'm on and I totally lost track of time. Mm-hmm. And then um, Ben, who was running the, the event on the day, came up and he said, "Look, we're meant to finish at we're meant to finish at nine, mm-hmm. but we've just had a phone call, and we can go on till half nine just to extend it because because he's coming." So I was yeah. like, "Oh, wicked, wicked!" So is he definitely coming? He said, "He said, yeah, it's ten minutes away." So Idris turned up oh, amazing. and we got him on the decks and we amazing. played back to back. And amazing. it was just, you know, it's a Hollywood superstar, it's yeah. an A-list star. It yeah. was just, it rubber stamped. And it's, that, and I don't say that in the sense of it, everybody that was there absolutely were in it, a very important piece to the uh, jigsaw. Yeah. Everybody, bar absolutely. none. Yeah. But just to add the, add that little bit of stardust right it at was, the end was, uh, was cool. And, and even in context with like Idris is in his own right, he plays music. Yeah, he does. That's a love of his. It's not even like. So this this is a story that a lot of people don't know. That he 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 went to America. He when I met Idris, he was a DJ. He yeah. he was before playing acting. Yeah, before acting. No, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's 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 what wow. he did. He was in he he was in to his music. Wow. Him and his friend Boogie they had their sound system. <laughs> okay. Just like all of us, we all grew yeah. up just wanted to well, be in the so, sound system. Yeah. Um, and he went to America. Yeah. And. He was working on doors and doing DJ gigs. Wow, that's that's how he sort of funded, wow. and then he got his break in in America Amazing. and as acting. Then that's the story. So, he, as as far as DJing goes, he mm. absolutely has oh, the man. DJing credentials. He's, he's not an actor no, who yeah. wants to DJ. He's a DJ I, who acts exactly. Yeah, you you can feel like I've seen him play out, and it was he's a DJ. Yeah, yeah, he loves his tunes. Yeah. I still take him out. But yeah. He's still, yeah, I'll still take him out and do him oh, all the okay. decks. Yeah, cool, man. <laughs> Big up, Driss. What's happening? <laughs> Make sure you leave that in. <laughs> no, it's, it, I even like that last part as well. The, the vibes from yeah. the two of you. Yeah. It was like a marathon, but the person that sees you over the line. Yeah. And it really felt like yeah. that was a, a very important moment of the whole thing. Yeah. It was... It was so well done. I mean, it was the way, it was the part of the evening where you know well, everybody man. had worked so hard, not just on the day, as you know, any of these yeah. kind of events, the production, Discipline. all of the hard work has yeah. done in the planning beforehand. And it was it was like the 40 minutes yeah. of the day where people just went, I could just 
put down everything now yeah. and just have a dance. And wow. um, I mean, I mean, we were socially distanced. There were 15 yeah. people in there and the vibes felt like yeah. 1,500. <laughs> Um, that's amazing. Yeah, yeah, and that's why it's funny that's because amazing. for all of the DJing that I've uh, that I've done throughout my career, and that mm. I will do, I always say you you just need to have like minded yeah. people, the right vibe, oh, and you can have a party. You can anywhere. do it. You can do it. You know, like coming coming back to like I was watching you on social media, so I followed it from a a, a slightly different perspective, but I followed it. Yeah, which was you driving into the Royal Albert Hall. I actually followed you, like getting out of your car. I think it was in your stories. Yeah, yeah. And I was just thinking, I cannot imagine in my own mind what you are going through right now. Like, can you explain what I am trying to talk about? Because it's like so epic. So, so that moment um, of going towards the Royal Albert Hall was something that I'd envisaged for two years since we started doing Garage Classical, it was just over two years. Mm -hmm. And um, we we did the first show in Liverpool and then the next year we we did uh, the Barbican. Mm -hmm. And when I saw and heard it on the Barbican stage, mm. I was like, right, this needs to be done at the Royal Albert Hall. Wow. But I knew that we weren't ready to go from that to that, even though the, bar, you know, the Barbican sold out Still in yeah. 48 hours. So for something that wasn't tried and tested at that time. Mm. Um, and then there, then there I was, yeah, heading to, heading to the, the Royal Albert Hall. Wow. Um, I'm getting goosebumps as I'm thinking about it now I'm, because, I'm like, because there was a, there was a really, really profound emotional moment on that journey. Um, really? Yeah. Because I started, um, Everyone who knows and you listen to any interview of mine, that, that mm. record by Roy Davis Jr., Gabrielle. Yeah, I was is, thinking of that earlier talking to right. you. So it, it's, it, it's, it's not only is it one of my favourite garage records, yeah. it's one of my favourite Would you cast that as a garage record? So that's when I was when you, when I was saying, do you just play garage? That's when it came up. I don't know if it's a, a house it's or a garage. It's one of those we've, it we've over, adopted man. it. And it's, it, it was a record that was bigger on the garage scene than mm. it was on the, on the house scene. On the house scene. Yeah. Um, UK Garage made that record right. famous yeah. other than its own brilliance. Yeah. We were the ones that started playing that record. Yeah. Yeah. But um, Lifford um, done our version of it on the Garage Classical album mm -hmm. and done such, such an amazing, amazing job of it. And mm -hmm. the record came on and we hit sort of Marble Arch at the start. And oh, it's so the longest, this is, you're in the car. So we're in the car and this is, it's the longest it's the longest composition on the album. Right. Really indulgent. Yeah. Um, but that's exactly how I wanted it because yeah. I think that record deserves, yeah. it deserves all of the grandeur. Absolutely. It, des it deserves, the, it's so lush. Yeah. Um, it's so rich. Mm. So we, it started playing, got to Marble Arch and we're kind of coming through, we're coming through Hyde Park. Wow. And we now just got to the point where we're coming out of the park wow. and it hits the part of the song where Lifford is almost he's he's ad libbing, mm. but he's he's not. He's mm. almost freestyling, but I know the words because I know the song so well. And as we come out of the park, I could see the Royal Albert Hall, oh. and I just started. I just started crying. Really, like, just I couldn't. Whoa. I felt it, yeah. and I just couldn't stop it. And yeah. I was like, I'm not even going to stop it because yeah. once I get out of the car, yeah. I'm going to be on switch. full mode. Yeah. And it was it was a beauty. It was such a beautiful feeling. Wow. It was like the most, some of the most beautiful tears that, 
that wow. I've ever cried. It was it was very special. But that's the you know that's the power of power of music. Wow. Um, and the power of the magnitude of I suppose of knowing how far the that we'd come yeah. with the journey of Garage Classical and not just the Garage Classical project, mm. how far UK Garage had come. Absolutely. Because if you you think that's, over I mean, twenty years before we couldn't get a club in the, in the West End <laughs> on a Saturday night. It was two hundred. 50, 50 people in a pub on a Sunday afternoon. Wow. That's what UK Garage was. And we'd, you know, we'd gone from that. We'd wow. done clubs, we'd done local radio, we'd done national radio, we'd done national TV, we've done international DJs. And now we are going to be with a 36-piece orchestra performing on stage on one of the world's most mu famous music venues. So that's a that's a that's a journey, you know? Amazing. Congratulations. Thank you. There's something within that story which um, I just touched upon, maybe just ever society, which is distractions. Like if you've got a vision, like what I was explaining, what the work, the project that I'm doing upstairs, it's like when you have a vision, like even if the audience isn't ready, like just eliminate all your distractions and single-minded, like focus, laser beam. The, t the two projects that you just spoke about, they're not happening without you being focused and eliminating those things that I'm sure there's a lot of things that gravitate and try to pull you away from those yeah. things, but to have that vision and to pull it off, that's why it's easy to say the moment of you on stage and there's a climax or there's a song or the crowd's reaction. But that's why I started with watching you get out of your car and you weren't even dressed. No, you're in like, I think, I think you're in like casual clothes. Yeah. And I was like, he's got to get changed. He's got to switch his gears. And I was like, that moment there is a priceless, special moment that not many people know about. It's like, they all see the bit that's, yeah. and it's like, I really was paying attention. I was like, Thank congratulations. You. And yeah, amazing. by then, you know, by then, whether you're into football and, you know, Saturday and, and three o'clock and you're into music and the, the show starts at eight o'clock. Yeah. All the, the, the hard, that's, that's the real easy bit. That's yeah. the bit for, you know, yeah. I'm into my cycling bit. That that's now that's the bit where on a bike, you're at the top of the hill yeah. and you're just about to go, go down it. Yeah. And someone comes around the corner and goes, wow, look how fast he's going. Yeah. But what they've not seen is the cursing, the sweat, yeah. the out of breath, Absolutely. the panic that you are doing going up the hill. Yeah. But you do that to be able to afford that piece. And whether it, whether you're, whether you're, an artist, mm. uh, a painting artist, whether mm. you're a DJ, mm. whether you're a musician, a footballer, mm. whatever it is that you're doing, you will have to go and do those hard miles in particular. Like, to be honest, when pe people mm. say to me, ah, oh, you know, like, weren't you nervous when you walked out on stage? Mm. And I'm like, no, because I've, like, I've, I've, <laughs> I've played that through a thousand times yeah. in my head already. Incredible. I had no time to be yeah. nervous. It was like, no, this is easy. Like, yeah. absolutely. I rehearsed them lines in my head a million times. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it, and, and I think a lot of people increasingly are now distracted by the, how can I say, the gold pot mm -hmm. and not the digging mm -hmm. um, that we have to do. We have to do the digging. It's not just about absolutely. having the finished article. Um, if you want to look good, get yourself looking good. Don't just put a filter on it. Yeah. You know, we could just put filters on stuff now. Absolutely. Don't like the picture, yeah. delete it, go again. Yeah. Get yourself healthy, Absolutely. then you'll look good. Yeah. So within part of this journey that you're talking about, how 
and I'm sure you've been there. I'm sure most people that are successful have been in this place before, which is how do you pick yourself up when it isn't good, when you're not motivated, when you don't want to get out of bed? What is it what, for you personally? What do you do? Where do you, where do you go? Where do I've you... been, I, I, Robbie, I've been really fortunate that I've not hit that brick wall in those depths. Amazing. I think That's that good. part of it, and I'm not sure why. And that mm. doesn't mean that it won't happen tomorrow or next week. Yeah. And don't think for a second that I don't think it mm. can't just happen yeah. next week because I've mm. seen, you know, better people than me mm. all of a sudden just be like, what's happened to them? And you're having to go and knock, knock on their door very hard to make sure everything's okay. Yeah. Um, I've always been really mindful of giving myself time out and rest and, and, I've acknowledged that the rest is as important as the hard work. And mm. I don't mean rest as in stop because mm. when you're creative, your mind <laughs> is kind of always going. Yeah. But I, I think you have to be mindful that we can't just keep going on and on and on and on and on, on, on the treadmill. And I think that's maybe, that's going to be one of the factors in people. Mm. Mm. I think that I was, I've loved my journey today. Mm. I think my journey's, delivered me way more than I would have expected it to have. Mm -hmm. So I am just very, still very grateful yeah. for everything, for every day that it gives me beyond today. Amazing. I'm happy with that. And yeah. I think that's another reason and where some people struggle gratitude. because they they don't have the gratitude for yeah. how far they've actually come. And mm. listen, like I said, whether it's mm. me playing music, you mm. making paintings, mm. Mo telling jokes yeah. that, yeah. In in our minds, it wasn't too long ago that, you know, he was selling mm. trainers and Absolutely. I was working in the job centre. I can yeah. remember those days very clearly. I remember, mm. you know, even still sometimes, and, and this is a, another really strange thing that mm. I will sometimes be on the high road between, say, Stamford Hill and Dalston mm -hmm. or Stamford Hill and Seven Sisters, mm -hmm. remembering when I used to be on the bus mm. going to work mm. and for no reason it will just come into my head. And that's almost like my system just resetting itself saying, stay humble because now yeah. you could be in a very nice car yeah. driving on that same road. Mm. I could be doing exercise on my bike mm. on that same, very same road. Yeah. But it's a luxury now that I can mm. go for a ride at yeah. three in the afternoon. Yeah. I, I see those things as gifts mm. because I know the average person will have to be at work or have to be doing something. So. I'm, not, I'm very, very fortunate the way that I'm able to live my life. And mm -hmm. I think just that gratitude is what keeps me mm -hmm. from not hitting those brick walls mm -hmm. because I already feel that I'm at least one step ahead of where I should be. Absolutely. I don't know, and, um, please stop me if I'm not allowed to say this, but like when I, I used to come to your place and we used to sit at the bar in the kitchen, mm -hmm. we used to talk and, and there was a couple of things that really stood out for me, which was how healthy you are and that you didn't drink alcohol and you regularly exercised now and i know that you know you have a family member here right now and a lot of people that i'm with they're chasing these things that the thing that they're chasing it through is not their friend i'm not saying not to drink i'm not saying don't go out and have fun i'm not suggesting that even remotely but the things that really are important like your health, your well-being, and your family, and the things that you love, and having gratitude for those things, you can tell very with a, within a short sp space of time of being with you 
the things that are important to you are the things that have probably held you from not going down. Like, I hope so. I'm, I mean that really seriously. Thank like, you. Is, you know, there's periods where I'll, I'll drink or I'll do things, but I know that I have to come out of that. And the things that really pulls me into snapping me into what's important is straight up look at my kids, like straight away. I'm like, I'm back. Whatever's wrong, like I see them and I'm good. And then having my family and then having a, a, a work that I love and seeing you like, and we've only spoken about music. I know how much you like golf and I know how much you like football. Mm -hmm. And I mean, we haven't even spoken about yeah. those things, but I know those things will also contribute towards you as a human being and how amazing you are. Like, can you share a little bit of like, how do you go from loving football to being able to meet and present and talk about the thing that you love so much and get paid for it for the record? <laughs> like you get paid for it. I mean, again, that's, that's where the universe just deals you a good hand. And and it's not always dealt me a good hand, but that's how that's how it goes sometimes. And yeah. it's not the hand that you get, it's how you play the hand that you get that I yeah. think is really important. Mm -hmm. Um I, you know, always I always loved my 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 football. I've been even though I've always loved my music, I was yeah. I had a closer relationship with football. Really? From a younger age than I did, than I did so music. You used to play. Yeah, I used to play a lot, yeah. a lot of school, football. Yeah, school, school, district, yeah. professional trials. Like, yeah. So I was a proper football, football nut. Okay. Stats and statistics, really? names and Into numbers, that. and the whole lot. I was. What team and what age did you start? Well, Liverpool's my team. Yeah. I started supporting them when I was seven years old. Wow. So. Um, from your family or you just decided yourself? I just decided myself. You wow. know, I didn't didn't grow up with my dad. Um, didn't I was the oldest brother. Mm. Um, and I don't know why Liverpool. I grew up in, yeah, you know, Hackney. It's a long way to go. And yeah, see them you know, play. I mean, Arsenal. Arsenal would have were nearer local. to me, but you know, yeah. they were boring yeah. at the time. Um, <laughs> but yeah, um, it, and, and I just loved my football, and then got yeah. onto radio and was talking about football because outside of music, it was my other mm. main interest. I was playing two, three times a week at that stage, even. Wow. And ironically, I only stopped playing football the first time round because. Mm the DJ and so I was you know all over the country I couldn't mm. turn up for football training then the manager wasn't going to pick me if I didn't turn up for training mm -mm. and that's again double irony why I started playing golf right so the DJ took off <laughs> I had to park the football up wow. and I started playing golf because I was, I what got was, you into golf like so I, st I was still needed I, I needed to do something that was competitive. I liked taking myself out of my comfort zone. Mm. Um, and I went on holiday to the Bahamas, went on this sort of crazy golf. It was brilliant. Mm. Came back and spoke to a friend about it, mm. who, Justin, who he went, yeah, I used to, I used to play County when I was 14. Oh I was like, what? And he said, I'll take you to the driving range. And the first driving range we went to was, it's gone now, but it was on the site of at King's Cross where Bagley's was. I, so it's not, it's, so it's not there Bagley's. anymore. Yeah. Right, so it's not there anymore. And yeah. um, went there, he took me to the range, hit a few balls, loved it. And then that was me. I was wow. I was off and running. So again, I'm so lucky that I can, I now work in football. I present on TV for football. Mm -hmm. I've presented on TV for golf. Wow. I've, I do my music. Um, so I'm very fortunate that I am, able to do turn my kind of hobbies into mm -hmm. into my career how um for someone that young or old but they want to do something that is something that they're interested in maybe they're not doing that thing how do you go from it being in your head or being an idea or being a hobby 
to realizing it how what inspiration or how what how would you i mean this is it's so it's so is, hard right because I, I guess i collected my records and i mm. watched all the football that i could watch not because i thought i was ever going to be a professional dj or i was mm. ever going to broadcast football mm. i did it because I loved it mm-hmm. and loving it made me happy. Mm. And working in the job center, I was still the happy 18, 19 year old that you see now mm. without, I didn't think I'd have been a professional DJ. Mm. And it wasn't really until six years into that job where I then started playing out a little bit mm. and started to get a little, when I say a little, like mm. maybe a f- four out of a hundred name for myself, right. which was better than one out of a hundred, yeah. but four out of a hundred. And I, I felt that there was a little ripple and yeah. thought, right, let me try and give myself an opportunity to, to make this, make this happen. Mm. Um, so it's really hard to say to someone, mm-hmm. this is what you have to do, but yeah. I'm, I'm going to turn around and <clears throat> come at it from the perspective of making yourself happy, mm-hmm. being happy, not, not, relying on anyone else to make you happy. And I was content because I had my music. I had my football. I had my work. I was able to eat. I had a roof over my head. And I I wasn't, I'm not going to say settling for second best, but I wasn't unhappy with what cards I'd been dealt. And Mm. like I said earlier, I'd been making the most of the hand that I had been dealt. And then a bit of hard work and a bit of luck Mm -hmm. and got a gig and played at that gig and got another gig and played at that before you know you're on pipe radio, you're getting booked to do events. And that four out of a hundred is now eight out of a hundred. And you're yeah. meeting other people who are eight out of a hundred, but you're meeting some people who are 15 out of a hundred. And you're like, well, actually mm. I'm at least as good as you. Yeah. And I might even be a little bit better. Yeah. So if you're already there and you're on 15, mm. then I might be able to get to 20. And Amazing. once I went into sort of the pool of being around, being around others, I was mm. like, right, if I can, and and this is the, this is going to sound really strange, mm. but what I said to myself, and this is before I turned full time professional, and it's one of the things that I said to Timmy and Mikey as mm-hmm. well, mm-hmm. is that this what I've realised this isn't necessarily about who's the best DJ because mm-hmm. yeah. I've come along across some unbelievable mm. DJs, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely brilliant people that I would get to come and play at my party. Yeah as a DJ. Mm -hmm. But what I realized Mm -hmm. quite early on is that there's a lot of DJs that aren't professional enough. They don't see their craft as a profession. They're not treating it as a career. And I said to Timmy and Mikey that if we Mm. close the parameters down Mm -hmm. in the sense of we're not just getting up whatever time in the afternoon because we can, Mm -hmm. and we're not, we're never going to not turn up for gigs because we're, we, we think that we're getting too yeah. big for it. We're yeah. going to be professional. When we get phone calls, we're going to reply to them. When we've mm-hmm. got to do our, our charts, you know, send back the record oh, yeah. reports, yeah. we're going to do all of that stuff. Mm. And then people can trust you mm. and people will believe in you. Mm. And then, and then that goes on and that goes on and that goes on. So for me, it wasn't for the dream team collectively, me individually, mm. it wasn't really me saying I'm better than anyone else. Mm. It was me going, no one's going to be more professional right. than me and yeah. us. And then, and and that was us. I, I think that stood us in amazing, amazing stead. Um, wow. So again, you know, in a very long winded way of asking your mm. question, 
It's not. I'm learning. Be passionate about be passionate about what you're doing mm-hmm. and do it because you're into it. Don't yeah. be doing it because you think it's going to give you riches because yeah. I think that's where you just might, you might fall down. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and just don't be at professional by anyone. Yeah. I think there's something when you're saying do the thing that you love, I think there's something that comes with that, which is um, there'll be a day that you won't want to do it, but because it's a love, you will keep going. Whereas if it's something you don't love, you kind of, you, you start to resent it or you, you drop off. Absolutely. But you can't stop a person that loves no. something. You can't no. stop them. Whatever. And that's why you have to, and that's why I say you have to, you have to love, you have to love doing it. Um, and, and what it gives you, you know, when I started playing golf and I play a lot of golf and, you know, I'm competitive, mm. even though I'm quite laid back, I'm yeah. still quite competitive, but I'm competitive not to get one over on other people. Mm. I'm competitive to achieve mm. the absolute best that I can Amazing. more often than not. Brilliant. That's, yeah. you know, so when I, when I run, mm. I don't sort of go for a jog. Mm. I race against the time that I did yesterday. And if yesterday's me beats today's me, mm. I'm a little bit down about it. And I don't spoil anyone yeah. else's day, yeah. but I'm like, right, Mm. Did you get enough sleep? Mm. What did you eat yesterday? Mm. What did you eat the day when you did run quick? Mm. That, that's how I was. And, um, you know, I was wow. doing well with my running and I've mm. sort of taken that into my cycling now. So even I'm just going for a poodle, mm. I'm always, I'm not out of breath. I'm yeah. racing because I don't just, yeah. I feel that I need to go as good <laughs> as I can all the time. <laughs> and even today as I'm sat here, I'm going to get home and I know my times aren't going to be good today because it was raining and it was into wind and I'm going to get, oh, you could have pedaled a bit harder. <laughs> but I think that sort of, that drive is mm. just what, you know, it kind of keeps me going. So that's why it's really important to find things that you love yeah. because then you can just have that, that little bit of competitive juice mm-hmm. against yourself. And like I said, this mm. is not against, it's not me trying to race everyone on the road. <laughs> it's me trying to do better than I did yesterday. Yeah. There were, I mean, even in your stories, I think it was probably within the last week and there was some, there was a, a film of two guys in front of you and one guy was, had his hand on his back. Mm-hmm. So like as much as the competitive side that you're expressing now, a com- like a competitor, a narcissistic, a someone that is only about them mm-hmm. would not share that. Mm-hmm. There was something where you saw this person. I think the way that you worded it as well was that this person had the insight that this person just needed a hand. He probably didn't ask for it, but there was just a moment between those two cyclists. And that tells a lot, that story is, is there's a lot of compassion there. There's a lot is, is, it's more than just the competition. It's I mean that that it's, you, so, you know the one that I'm talking yeah, about. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So wh- when you when you go out as a, in a group, you you you're meant to go out as a group and you ride as a group and you you'll always get stronger riders and weaker riders because everyone comes into it from a different different place of experience of fitness, quality of your machine yeah, even is, is yeah. a factor. And the strongest rider in the group mm kind of, he, he came back because he mm. was wondering where's, the, mm. where's Johnny mm. and he came back, but I was riding with the weaker rider mm. and he being a stronger rider than me mm. was able to ride alongside him mm. and push him along. Right. Now I, I was trying to give moral support by staying back with him, mm. but that physical push mm. Mm. and I was just, I, I don't know, something, something quite special 
happen, just being able to witness that. Even yeah. more so in a way, I think I learned more from witnessing it wow. than even doing being it myself. Of, yeah. Um that this is this is what happens. When you've got sort of strength and knowledge, it's it's to share. And mm. you you correctly said he didn't ask him to help. Right. He couldn't because yeah. he was too far ahead. Yeah. Yeah. So he, he couldn't so he even, would, he, he would, couldn't physically yeah. communicate yeah. that I'm struggling here. Yeah. I knew he was struggling. Yeah. All I could do was stay with him. Yeah. But when he came back, mm. he was like, I can actually help you, mm. push you along. Mm. And it was a beautiful thing. And, That's... you know, a lot of people saw that post and, mm. you know, varying mm. messages that mm. this is what the world needs a bit of right now. That's, 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 Exactly what I was thinking, exact when you said it, which is like with what we're going through, like it brings out for me this COVID, I think it without going into that part, but I think it brings out best and worst. And it's like the thing that's really important to me is that we're human beings and we're here to actually, whether we agree or not, actually help each other. We're meant to get through difficult times. And the ways that we do do that is to help and support and love and help each other and it's like that just watching that video was a real wake-up call to where we are and what we should actually be doing where we are now like there are so many things that we could be yeah it was powerful know. it was um i mean that in many ways it wasn't my time-wise most rewarding cycle that i've ever done mm. but it was by far and away spiritually yeah the most rewarding ride i've ever done and in a way like i said I will have better times and better days. Yeah. That's fine. But I don't know if something as profound as that will mm. happen to me on a bike mm. for a little while. Mm. Because now, you know, the first time things happen, yeah. they hit you it's hard. I've, I've seen it now. And yeah. I was like, wow, that was, that was very, that mm. was very deep. And mm. even people that weren't there and people who saw the video and people mm. who aren't into cycling, Robbie were like, yeah. wow. See, you know, and I was like, Jeez, I didn't, I didn't realize it yeah. was, it was a thing, yeah, um, and a beautiful thing. I, I mean, it's actually been one of the most popular posts that I've ever put on Are Instagram. You serious? Yeah, yeah, that's amazing. It reminds me of like when humans swim in the sea, and a dolphin kind of yep. comes along, and it's like it's quite encouraging yep. when it swims along a human. There's a lot of communication. That's one. It's non-verbal, but it's like there's a supportive communication going on between the two and when you're you know listen he's you know they're both my friends and mm. i know they are both um you know special characters they both display a lot of determination and grit mm. and for him you know the weaker one mm. on the bike mm. like he dug in like he did not mm. he did not give up at mm. all mm. and mm. actually it was another lesson in how when you try your hardest mm. I believe you you will get rewarded. Yeah. And I live by I live by that mantra because mm-hmm. it makes me want to keep trying my hardest. Yeah. Um and 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 I and I saw it I saw it right there. Um Amazing. and they don't know each other. They'd never met each other before that, wow. but we were out together and he just said, "Right, you know, as the strongest one here, I'm going to I'm going to help you." Well, um you know, special. One of the things that I took away from it was um the acceptance of the help. He could have said, no, no, leave me, I've got this. And that's something that I struggle with. I struggle with asking for help and I struggle with the acceptance because of the nature of how my character was built as a child. Um, When you're in a a not worthy type character, you want to um, 
impress or be the best, similar to what you're saying, under the conditions that you set yourself. You don't really want other people to help you. No. And to watch someone just when someone says thank you and they take a compliment or when someone gives a hand or when someone and recently someone's just helped me with my work and in just giving me a little bit of money and it's the first time it's ever happened to what what's just happened and when he's tried to give it to me I was like no 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 I'm fine I don't and he was like no there's no catch here I don't want anything do what's because we're programmed it. you know and this is a sad it's a sad indictment of the world that we think that when people help us there's, there's, there's an ulterior the, motive yeah. and there there is sometimes, sometimes but and but there isn't all times but I was yeah. saying to someone only yesterday that and this is human nature that if nine times previously someone lifted their hand up they slapped you mm. absolutely within your rights to think that the 10th time it happened, Absolutely. they're going to slap you again. Of course. But the 10th time might be someone else and they're going to pick their hand up and start clapping. Yeah. But we just, we just don't know that that's what's going to happen. We just get programmed that way. And it's hard to just go reset mm. and say, all right, this time, no slap. Yeah. This time, no slap. Yeah. This time, no slap. Yeah. It's hard not to do that, mm. but we also need to try and keep our, our minds clean so mm. that we can accept the help and see the help because like I said there's times when you can just look someone in their eyes and if you're a proud person and we're all proud yeah you go they're never going to ask for help mm. but I know that they want the help mm. and he didn't ask for the help no. he just rode alongside him amazing and put his hand on his back wow. and just moved so he didn't even have to suffer the indignity of mm. asking and mm. feeling that he might get told no mm. so that no, was it just, just it really was it really was a beautiful thing. And it's only because my camera skills were <laughs> not that great with riding with one hand why I didn't post more. Um, right. But yeah, it was a beautiful thing to be a part of. Thanks for sharing that post. No, I love, man. Yeah, it was really special. Is there anything in your future that you're working on or is there something that you're planning or you can't talk about that kind of stuff at this point? Or yeah, I, I mean... It, I know you've always got big projects in your mind. Yeah, I can't, I can't wait um, for dance floors to open up yeah. um it's gonna look, go potty yeah looking forward to taking <laughs> it's gonna uh, be like the first time looking forward to getting garage classical uh back out there we're hopefully gonna be doing q gardens in july um, i mean we'd sold out yeah um have you got another date for that yeah we're gonna be i think it's the 8th of july 2021 mm. um it, you know, listen, it is what it is. There's people How's that, that lost their livelihoods. Is it outside or is yes, it? Yes, outside oh in the gardens God. on the stage in the summer, man. Wow, that's going to yeah. be incredible. Yeah, so, um, you know, we look forward to it again. We Being on the dance floor, being in clubs, mm. being out, hanging with our friends, hugging, kissing. Yeah. Something that we really have all <laughs> taken for granted. Um, and we grew up in a, a different time when, oh my God. you know, with, with clubbing, yeah. with no phones, there was no selfies, no. it was no no tables. It was, yeah. we're going out to dance. And I think that that reset, this reset mm. is going to be, is going to be good for us. I'm looking forward to, to being out there and working on some ideas um, around sort of Black History Month, but it's to mm. continue the conversation. Because mm -mm. I'm a great believer that you know, one of the problems that we have with racism mm -hmm. is ignorance, ignorance that black history has not been taught mm. uh, to everybody other than black people, not even all black people mm -mm. know black history. Mm. But why aren't we learning about black history, whether mm. it be Africa, not just mm. Northern Africa, where yeah. you're talking sort of the Egypt and mm. Egypt crisis. Um, we're not, we're also talking about 
Nigerian, we're talking about Ghana and we're talking about the Caribbean because I learned Russian history and mm-hmm. Mexican history right. and Australian history at school. Why did I and never ever learn history and religious and... history? Why did I never learn about yeah. Afro-Caribbean um, history? And I think, you know, once we start talking about, you know, we, we, we learn about Guy Fawkes and we learn about mm. Henry VIII and all of his wives and, mm. you know, whatever you believe about it, we mm. knew that he was a king and he was a mm. very powerful person. Mm. Why did we never ever learn about the powerful kings and queens of Africa? Pharaohs or, yeah. Do you know what I mean? And the pharaohs. Mm. And the interesting thing with the pharaohs is that even though they're on the continent of Africa, mm. the story was not right. told as as, an African. as Africans. No, and, and it's almost as though the best parts of us have been sort of taken and yeah. repackaged mm. because... They are African. They were Africans. Yeah. You know, the, the the pyramids were built by, yeah. not slaves, they were <laughs> built by technical, yeah. brilliant oh. black people. But that story was never, ever, it was never, ever told like that. So it's very important that how, it won't totally suggest- eradicate racism, but mm. it will definitely make people look over and go, actually, they are equal. They are as, have yeah. as much right to be here as we. Mm. What's like... Um- a suggestion that you have of bringing that into the education system, like it's quite a big into integration. Like you're, you're changing the way education is not a small thing to be messing. No, it isn't, Rob. But I mean, listen. I'm with you. I want it to happen. How, I want. I'm, I'm interested in what. What? what so look, how, I mean, how could we? So here's here's a here's a thing. There's a, there's a, an organisation called the Black Curriculum, which mm. that's their sole purpose is yeah. right to make. Mm. Um, black education, not just in October here mm. in the UK, yeah. but in the same way that we've become more tech savvy mm. and they've introduced computer studies mm. and yeah. various forms of, t- and it gets more and more technical as time goes on. Oops. Yeah. If the curriculum could be adjusted for computers, mm. then why it not black be. history? Yeah. Simple. You just write it in yeah. and you say, we're just teaching this module for 10 weeks, 12 yeah. weeks, whatever it is, mm-hmm. it's easy to do mm-hmm. because I remember when I first done computer studies at school, mm. you know, they were monitors with green writing mm. and the school might have had three computers. Right. And now wow. some schools, every classroom, every have more kids are going to school with their laptop. So <laughs> if you don't move with or, the times, yeah. you know, they've been, there's been a reason, mm. uh, you know, an arrested interest as to why they've used, well, why have they not got a vested interest as to the importance of teaching mm. black history? Mm. It's of paramount importance. And if we want to start addressing the balance and having more equality, mm. I think this, like I said, I don't think it's going to eradicate the whole problem, yeah. but it's going to absolutely going to help. So yeah. I'm doing some stuff that can continue the conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, for some people, it's going to be continue. For some people, it's going to be start. But yeah. whatever it is, I'm not going to get bogged down with the yeah. minutiae of that. Yeah. As long as we are having those conversations because, yeah. where people can ask questions in mm-hmm. a safe environment, mm-hmm. where they're not going to be judged because mm-hmm. of their ignorance. Because I also believe there's there's the two forms of ignorance. There's the ignorance where we just don't know mm-hmm. and the ignorance where we don't want to know. Mm-hmm. And some people... They just don't know, mm-hmm. but they'd like to know, but yeah. they've never felt comfortable asking. Yeah. I'd love to give them the platform to ask so they can see and hear it from another point of view. It's an incredible venture. I, um, I, I went through the care system, so I was yeah. you know, in children's homes and fostered. And in my foster home, there was another boy that was fostered, Frankie, and I considered him to be a brother. And we, we got separated, he got adopted, and his life got very complicated. 
and um, he was studying um, to be a doctor, PhD, in black history. And there was only one, he was one of six in the country. And the struggle that he found finding a professor to take him on. So he was going down, I think it was between Bristol and Brighton, and there was no one, like you, he couldn't even find anyone to take him on to do the course. And uh, there was a conversation that we used to have, which was when people used to, and he's like, I'm from the Caribbean, he's from Africa, his um, surname's Ashanti. And he, Powerful surname. Um, yeah, his dad was like a, a tribal leader, I believe. Powerful surname. Yeah. And um, he was like, it was on two words, I think it was, when people came over from the Caribbean, I think it was the word they were going to be resident. And when they landed, the word was changed to immigrant. Those two words changed the course of how they were treated within the country. Mm -hmm. Just changing one word of who your identity, you're an immigrant when you were told you were a resident. And it was just like, and then he's written a whole, like I have, I've, I've got it. I haven't written Let it. Let me tell you the power that people talk about the overt oppression um, that we've suffered. And I don't, listen, I don't, I don't want to sound like the victim here yeah. because there've been many people around the world that have suffered mm. oppression mm. at varying degrees, mm. but oppression through language mm -hmm. and words is something that we, feel and have suffered every single day. Mm -hmm. And because it's not a punch in the face, mm. people don't realize mm. how bad it is. Yeah. And, you know, even growing up and it's, and it still happens now. I, I used to remember that when, if someone did something wrong, they got into trouble mm. and they were black, it mm. would say in the description, mm. we are looking for a black man mm. in, in his thirties. But if it was a white person, they mm. wouldn't say we're looking for a white person mm. in his 30s. Mm. So you immediately associate crime mm. with a black person. Yeah. You immediately associate that crime with a black person, yeah. which I'm saying, listen, mm. if we're going to try and, if we're going to be describing mm -hmm. people, mm -hmm. then let's describe all people. Mm -hmm. But it's sublime. Yeah. Whether it's by design or not, yeah. and I don't have to argue whether it is by design yeah. or not, because the facts it's there. are there. Yeah. That well, why did you say black assailant there mm. and not white assailant there? Yeah. What what was it? Mm -hmm. And if you weren't aware, that's what you did. Mm. Then you need to be more aware. Mm. And I think editors mm. of, of of whether it be written press or mm -hmm. TV, mm -hmm. they need to be more aware. And this is something that's been brought to light more and more mm -hmm. that it's another, it's mm. another subtle form of, mm. of oppression. Like I said, you're not being, you're not in shackles, mm. but we're still going to control mm. you mm. and how you feel mm. and your esteem mm. through the words that we use to describe you. Yeah. And this is something else that also needs to be addressed. It's um, when the whole thing happened in America with George that um, for two days, the media wasn't touching it. Like there was nothing really in mainstream press. And all I was seeing were messages coming to me and all I was seeing were black people being beaten. And I'm like, I think I'm being traumatized here. Like that's all I'm seeing. And it's like, to, to just have one group of people and a bombardment 
of how they're being treated, it just brought up like the subtleties of how I have been treated, but I've never shared it. But it's like, it could just be a sly comment, even from a friend, but they don't even know that that's... Might not even have been sly. It just might be the way their language is they've programmed. they've been brought up or... And it's just like, and I think it's similar to the, what I was saying earlier about not asking for help. There's a, that's an unsaid. The unsaid in what I'm talking about here is when someone comments in your hair or what you're eating or what, you know, the way you're smelling and if it's coconut or whatever, like for them, they might not see that, but it's an unwritten rule that you don't say anything about it. Mm -hmm. You don't go back and like start talking about it. Like it, it's almost like it's a micro you're constantly being chipped Chipping. away at and yet you have no outlet to express or to say what's so this was this was one of the things that I've, I've been so I, I look back at the way I was brought up and the the belief the self-belief the confidence that was instilled in me by my mum mm. that from a very young age I was able to look at anybody mm -hmm. and go, you're at best my equal. Yeah. And I, whatever you can achieve, mm. I can achieve. And I was lucky that, Got you a know, special mum. Yeah. She was, um, I mean, she was a, she was a firecracker yeah. and she didn't suffer fools lightly, mm. but she like, sacrificed her life for her sons. But when I, when I look at it from the perspective of, and I was lucky in the sense of I was quite bright at school mm -hmm. and I was good at football and I could I could run fast and I can I could talk for England. <laughs> so I was, you know, I could tick all of those mm. all of those boxes that I genuinely stood up next to anyone and go, you know, I'm I'm yeah. on a level. So the those little the little sort of subtleties yeah. and microaggressions, mm. I would immediately pull people up on stuff like oh, that from quite from quite a young age wow, that and whether it's confidence yeah but i but that's what i said my it. mum my, my mum gave me that so i you know i think i was you know quite emotionally intelligent before that was sort of a thing mm. as a young age because again my mum was teaching me like the, the power of the detail mm -hmm. and just to drill down mm. on the detail and whether that be shopping so mm. she gave us a shopping list mm -hmm. and she said i want carnation milk mm. bring back carnation milk mm. unless there's a reason why not mm. so it was specific when i asked you to clean mm. you clean so mm. it was the detail it wasn't just the wipe over mm. move stuff mm. so she will come in i asked you to clean that shelf mm. if you didn't move that stuff mm. the shelf is not clean yep. so when you start looking at things in that way, mm. you realise you you move it out of the way. Well, mm. what, what did you... Mm. And I, know I wasn't argumentative, mm -mm. but I'd want you to explain mm. what you said. Mm. I, I It's not about what in, I in think it. you said. Yeah. I want you to explain mm. what you said. Mm. And once you start, you start doing that, and then the other side of it is where you realise what people are saying without mm. them saying it, mm. you're just able to kind of just navigate like it's like being in the matrix you're seeing things in binary you're yeah. seeing just zeros and ones because you're kind of knowing what's coming i know why you're saying that i know mm. why you did that mm. you don't even think yeah. that i know because i've not let you know that i know mm -mm. again because my mom would say don't let them see you coming mm. you know you don't always like the art of war mm -mm. you don't tell them your plan mm -mm. you don't tell them 
what weapons you've got. Mm-hmm. You just hit them with your weapons. Yeah. And again, it's like if you if you adopt that in life in all those different scenarios, mm. you say, yeah, yeah, I, I know what you're about. So again, that, that's something that you know I try and do with my with my girls. I've tried to do with my girls. I mm-hmm. think you know, slight different that my mum was around us twenty four hours a day, seven mm-hmm. days a week. I don't spend that amount of time with my children, but you know, they, they kind of, mm-hmm. I think there's a bit of me that rubs off on, on them. Good. Definitely the older one. Anyway, I've still got some work to do with the little one. Well, I think the oldest one is, uh, I think she gets it a little bit. <laughs> is your mum still alive? No, she passed away five and a half years ago. Oh. Sadly. It's funny, right? Because I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah. But she sounds like a very special person. Yeah. She, yeah, she was, uh, an incredible woman, man. Her, you know, her funeral was something was something different. But mm. she, um, well loved. Yeah, she was. She she was. She was very well loved. I mean, when when I was little and you know, from a young age, like I said, cleaning and ironing, and you know, occasionally she'd say, "Look, I know you. I know you think I'm being hard on you, but mm. I'm just getting you ready because I'm not always going to be here. There's going to be a time when I'm not going to be here, and I want to be able to know." I'm going to rest in peace knowing that. And I used to just always walked away from those conversations with my mum thinking like, you're going to outlive everybody. Like you're not going, (laughs) you're not going anywhere. Mm. There's nothing that Mm. she won't lean into. There's no battle that I've ever seen her shirk from ever in her life. And, you know, growing up, I then took all of that energy on and that, really helped form my character. Mm-hmm. Now, as she got older and we got a little bit older and, she, you know, she's not as protective. And, you know, when you see, you you, you go to the park and you see a, a, a grown duck with the ducklings behind them and they're just mm. chilling. Mm. You go anywhere mm. near those ducklings mm, yeah. and you see that duck turn into something <laughs> else. Like, For real. And that's before you start talking about swans. Like yeah. as beautiful and as serene as they seem, yeah. they can be vicious. Oh, and it's kind of like... That's kind of like how my mum was. So, but I think once we got to an adult age, she mm. just sort of chilled out and mm. took her time. But mm. as youngsters, she was ferocious and I was able to, like that character building mm-hmm. um, just like stood me in good stead. You listen, refined it. I don't yeah. nowhere near get into as many arguments as my mum <laughs> did, but I, I that spirit, the yeah. spirit is in yeah. absolutely still in Got there. Got confidence in yourself yeah. and belief. Well, yeah. look what you do. Yeah. The belief yeah. in what, yeah. Your dad, was he part of your life? Not really. No. Um, not in a not in a significant way. I knew who he was and I, I saw him from mm. time to time, but he mm. wasn't sort of in my life to say that there was any kind of, you know, influence. My mum was my, That's was my mum and my dad. like on your mum, like, Wow, because you're rounded. It's not like she focused on one side of your character. No. It's like, what an incredible job she's done. Yeah, I mean, but my mum was really young when she had me. So right. she had, um, you know, she was 16 when she had me. Uh, my mum was 16. Yeah. yeah. So there was, uh, you know, she still had that energy that mm. you would have when you were 16, not your mm. yeah. archetypal <laughs> mum at that age. And, mm. you know, listen, you know, she obviously might have made, some mistakes mm-hmm. and with hindsight we mm. can we're all gonna say we did but mm. you know I think all in all um she gave it she gave it everything she mm. she absolutely had you know mm-hmm. she could be she's not here now but she should be very proud of the job she did. And in in context coming back to what we were saying about with the way black people have been treated like being young at that time having a child that's not even the same as now. No. Like 
the way that she would have probably have been treated even without you knowing because you were a baby and stuff. Yeah. Like I remember my mum saying a couple of things that, you know, if she if someone saw her pushing me in a pram, like someone would spit her or something. And I was just like, what are you talking about? And that, that was normal like behaviour back in the day. Like, I mean, we have even come quite far since then, but it's like your mum would have gone through a lot of stuff. I mean, me at 16 is just a part of the story. She had three of us by the time she was 20. Jeez. Yeah. So, you know, like, you know, it's a story in itself. One at 16, three at 20. Mm. Um, on, her, on Largely on her own. I mean, mm. I say largely on her own, 95% on her own. So again, that siege mentality, it's us against the rest of the world. And things weren't easy, but things weren't easy because they weren't easy. Mm. There weren't another mm. option. Like yeah. we had to be, <laughs> we had to be whipped into shape. Mm. We had to move with military precision because... Mm. It's a, it's a fine line between existence and survival mm. when it's a 20 year old, you know, she only came to England when she was 12. So she's wow. only eight years into the country wow. with, with three children. So, you know, when I, when I look back, I say, wow, man, it's, that it's, a, it's an unbelievable, wow. it's an unbelievable story. Yeah. It really is a, yeah. it really is a story of, and I spoke earlier about, you know, grit and determination and fortitude and integrity and, and a bit of luck. You always need a little bit of luck along the way, but mm. you know, maybe, you know, maybe my mum didn't get all of the luck she deserved, but I've, I've had some of that. So, you know, thank you, mum. Oh, it's really, I really want to join a few of these circles that you've been talking about. So when you said about walking on the stage and not being nervous, you've revert, you've rehearsed this a, a, a thousand times. That story really stands out to taking things off the shelf wiping it down you've done your job that attention to detail that rehearsal that mental stability watching that person pushing like these stories there there is there is a common thread that's going through them all and I, I think your mum is like a really major part of all of that still now. now she is I mean if you if you if you ever met her you'd go yeah, yeah I get it yeah. do you know what I mean yeah and especially if you met her when she was when she was younger mm. like I said I think as she got older and she was she was under pressure but under different pressures not so much the pressures of bringing up a child and, and I always say to people you know you don't know what pressure is until mm. you've got to look at your children not knowing how you're going to feed them that night yeah that's a different kind of pressure just, it's a, yeah. there's a pressure of when you wake up yourself mm. and you don't know what you're going to eat at night that's mm. one thing mm. but when you know there's mouths that are responsible for mm. you mm. that's a different kind of pressure mm -hmm. so to know that she faced that many many times i'm not going to say mm. four days a week out of three she had mm. to face it but it might have been a weekly situation it, mm. it would have been at least a monthly situation where right i don't know what we're going to eat tonight i mm. need to i need to get creative in my head mm. so once i see my mum able to deal with that and i was aware i got to the an age where i was aware that this is what was going on, mm. it absolutely affected my character, but for the positive, because I knew that it made me dig in. I know yeah. it made me start knowing that I had to work myself out of this situation. And mm. it wasn't work myself out of it to drive a Rolls Royce and mm. Mm. have a, you know, five million pound detached house in Buckinghamshire. It mm. was just that I need to go to sleep knowing that what I'm going to eat tomorrow. Mm -hmm. And if I have children that I can feed them, mm -hmm. that would be mm. that at that stage, that would have been a win. That yeah. would have been breaking the cycle. Yeah, and obviously since then we've been able to, you know, 
do better than that. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was the that was the reason, and that was mm. the mindset for certain. It's incredible what a journey you've had. Yeah. Is there anything else that you'd like to share or say before, like we finish? Or? Um, you know, it's um, it's been what, an, what it's been I, brilliant. It's been it's yeah. been fantastic having this having this conversation mm. with someone that I can. I can trust mm. um, someone that I absolutely respect that yeah. I'm proud of, okay. you know, as a human being, you're, be- you're okay. a beautiful human being. And uh. it was, it's funny how like life and fate at the time where mm. in this massive cosmopolitan city that we live in, mm. um, that at that particular time that I would be coming through mm. and bump into you. Yeah. And I'm a believer that that mm. happened for, mm. that happened, absolutely happened for a reason. Yeah. The fact that, I just started getting into Mm, art, which I was then doubly interested Mm -hmm. about Mm. what you were doing. Mm. And, you know, and here we are, you know, people come into my house Mm. and they always comment Uh on your work that's on my wall. They're like, Uh, that's brilliant. I still got to deliver one, the the banana boat. Yeah, don't worry. You know, that's that. You're looking after that. But I mean, the the gold one that I've got, people... Again, you you stand at it and you see a hundred people can see a hundred different things, and you, you you can stand there depending on the light. It mm. will just it will just draw you in. Mm. Um, and the vinyl piece is fantastic uh, yeah. as well because yeah. again, you the know, that, we bring it back to we bring it back, back to, to music. music. Yeah. You know, my love of art and music, and yeah. maybe art being more recent, but mm. I'm able to celebrate mm. both with that piece there with my album. So. Yeah, it's um, Robbie's been a, it's been an absolute joy, and I, in in a funny way, mm-hmm. this conversation has been really therapeutic yeah. for me. And I know we we're doing it yeah. in the form of a of, yeah. of a podcast, but yeah. I feel, you know, I feel like I can kick onto another yeah. another level. <clears throat> the the incredible part is I had no idea what we we're going to talk about. <laughs> I had no agenda. I didn't even have a question. I'm serious. As soon as we started speaking, then all of a sudden, all of these memories of doing the party in Lexington, mm. bumping to in the alley, going mm. to Ibiza, it all just all like it came. Like I, I don't, yeah, I just wanted I mean, to speak some to of, you. I mean, I do this professionally and I'll yeah. tell you some of the, my favorite interviews are the ones where, they are just conversational. Yeah, They're just it, two it. people fireside chatting yeah. and, the, and the conversation just meanders. And if mm. you're listening to it as a third party, it mm. doesn't sound mm. scripted. No. It sounds as though you're in the room. Yeah. I haven't part got any of the conversation. Or, no, no. We yeah. are mental notes. No. Or, yeah. And it's, I, I even love that you've turned up in your cycle gear. Yeah. you got your hat. <laughs> you got your, like that. that it's almost a Jean-Paul Gaultier like fashion piece <laughs> it's like it's that far into cycling it's like well I mean that is maybe one of my um, my little things let's call it that whatever it is I'm doing I'm going to try and look as good as I can doing it do you know what I mean you look the part for real man you're looking good thank you thank you but keep up the keep up the great work thank and you. um yeah very proud of you I love when I hear people talking about art and your name comes into the conversation oh, i'm like i know him yeah i know him <laughs> do you yeah i know him so it's brilliant but um yeah good luck with everything and i'm saving to buy another piece uh, i've come into the gallery today i'm like mm, i like that well, i like I have, that i have something special for you after this so really yeah no yeah i do yeah. seriously yeah i do yeah ah! <laughs> So now I'm embarrassed. Yeah, no, no, it's good. Oh, Rob, but wicked. I, I want to say thank you for coming in. Pleasure, bro. Thank you for making the time. 
Thank you for sharing your stories. Thank you for being so honest and open about some of the stories that you shared with us. I am just like, like I said, the moment of you getting out of that car, walking into the, the Royal Albert Hall, just that moment to me is something that I cherish and it's an inspiration to me um, to keep going and believing in what I'm doing and not let the distractions or the, the naysayers pull us to one side and just keep that focus. And you really inspire me to do bigger and better things. Thank you. Thank you. Love you, Rob. Yeah, love you too, love man. You. Big up. What are you chat about? What you chat about? What you chat about? Chat about. Thank you for listening. This podcast was produced by Viral Tribe. For more information about our work, please visit tribe.fm with two eyes. Sign up and join the podcast revolution.